lovely to see you all here today. For many of you who know me, my name is Julie Robinson and I'm the Senior Curator of Prints, Drawings and Photographs at the Gallery. And um, today I'm talking to you in the auditorium about works which are on display in Gallery 8. Uh, so it feels a little bit more formal than our usual lunchtime talks, but um, please feel free to ask questions as usual. So yes, I'm talking about works on display in the exhibition Antarctica Five Responses in Gallery 8. And this exhibition is being curated by Maria Zagala and Maria's here today. And um, just wanted to congratulate her on a very thoughtful and beautiful display because it makes wonderful connections between works that are in our collection that respond to Antarctica. And in particular, I'm going to talk about uh, the works of Frank Hurley. These are the uh, earliest works in the exhibition and they serve as anchor points. And today I'll be focusing on two of the most recent acquisitions of works by Hurley, which are A Blizzard and The Pallid Glow of Midwinter Noon at Cape Denison, both from 1912. And you can see them on the wall in this image. And here they are so that you can see them a bit clearer. These two photographs are intrinsically connected to Sir Douglas Mawson, and he was, of course, the Adelaide-based but world-renowned Antarctic explorer. He was also the esteemed professor of geology at the University of Adelaide. And these photographs date from the first exhibition that Mawson led to Antarctica in 1911 to 19, from 1911 to 1914. And indeed, this was the first Australian-led expedition to Antarctica. So Hurley was the official photographer for this expedition. These works are further linked to Mawson because these are images that he personally owned. They were treasured by him and then, after his death, went to his descendants. And the gallery has acquired these works directly from his descendants through the Foundation Collectors Club in 2019. Frank Hurley has been described as an adventurer, photographer and filmmaker, and an extraordinary Australian who pushed himself to the limits uh, to create his photographs, whether he was in the Antarctic, the war zones of Europe, or travelling in Australia. He had a career that was some 60 years, from 1905 until his death in 1962, and in this time, he created thousands of negatives, worked on more than 60 films, and wrote over 20 books. He was actually, I'll tell you a little bit more about him. He was born in Sydney in 1885, and uh, his free spirit was evident at the age of 13 because he ran away from school and from home and went to Lithgow, New South Wales, where he worked in a steel mill, steel mill for two years. As a teenager, he bought himself a box brownie camera and he was instantly mesmerised it, by it. And he read and he taught himself to use it. And then when he was aged 20, that was in 1905, until 1911, he worked in a postcard company in Sydney, taking photographs. And through this, he honed his photographic style and his postcards, uh, postcard images revealed his love of drama and the spectacular, and they were very, very popular. 
one postcode, a postcard alone sold 20,000 copies. Hurley also became an active member of the New South Wales Photographic Society and through them became associated with the pictorialist movement in photography. And this was a movement where amateur photographers in particular were working and striving for artistic qualities in their photographs. And many of the pictorialists, including Frank Hurley, favoured making carbon photographs because these, this particular technique uh, and process enhanced the soft tones and beautiful artistic effects that you could get with photography. And these two works here are examples of carbon photographs. And I do encourage you to see them in the flesh in Gallery 8 because you can see the beautiful qualities of those carbon photographs. In 1911, Hurley's career in postcards came to an end when Mawson selected him to be the official photographer and cinematographer for his expedition. And Hurley was somewhat of a surprise choice. He was not uh, the, the choice that everyone was expecting Mawson to make. And this was due to the fact that he was quite young and inexperienced. He was 26 at the time and he had no experience as a cinematographer at all. Yet Mawson was won over by Hurley's initiative as much as his um, photographic skills. Mawson wrote, his enthusiasm and resourcefulness knew no bounds and he even offered his services absolutely free. And there's an apocryphal story that is recounted often about the way Hurley secured this position and met with um, Mawson. Apparently Hurley was to meet uh, Mawson at Central Railway Station in Sydney for a brief meeting prior to Mawson returning to Adelaide. Hurley feared that this might not be enough time to convince Mawson of his suit suitability. So instead he purchased a return ticket to Moss Vale and then bribed a railway guard to let him into Mawson's compartment so that they may spend more time together. As I said, this is now considered an apocryphal story, but perhaps it was in... Um, recounted many times over the years, so there's, there's perhaps some element of truth or uh, connection to Hurley's character in there. So that the expedition departed Hobart in 1911 on the 2nd of December. They went on the ship Aurora. Hurley went on to visit Antarctica six times on various expeditions between 1911 and 1931. And one uh, writer has calculated that he actually spent four years of his life there all up. And after Mawson's expedition, he was quickly appointed photographer on Sir Ernest Shackleton's expedition that went from 1914 to 16. These are the two key ones in his career. When he returned from Mawson's expedition, uh, his first film, The Home of the Blizzard, was screened in Sydney and attracted huge crowds. And you'll see an extract from this film in uh, the Gallery 8 display, a short snippet, and it's, it's fascinating to see. At the end of the expedition, Hurley's photographs were also shown to great acclaim in London at the Fine Arts Society in 1915, and later these photographs were also shown in Australia. And these two photographs here were in the Fine Arts Society exhibition in 1915. They still have the exhibition labels on the back of them. 
the catalogue for the 1915 exhibition has an introduction which mentions um, about the qualities and artistic qualities uh, and importance of these photographs. It, it's quotes are quote, the pictures exhibited illustrate sufficiently the high merit of Hurley's art. And further comment is unnecessary, except perhaps to recall that these results were in many cases obtained under circumstances and difficulties seldom paralleled in the history of photography. His blizzard pictures are quite unique. So these pictures were seen as remarkable in 1915 and they still are today. So buoyed by the success of, and the publicity surrounding his Antarctic photographs, Hurley became famous and he was regarded as one of the most important photographers in Australia during the 1910s and 20s. He was awarded a Polar Medal in 1919 and an OBE in 1941. Apart from his Antarctic expeditions that he was on, he was also the official photographer for the Australian Imperial Force in World War I, uh, where he saw first-hand experience and took photographs of the battles in Flanders and in Palestine. And he also photographed in um, the Australian troops in the Middle East during the Second World War. Again, risky business, but he was up for it. Because Hurley's photography and cinematography really went hand in hand with his love of adventure and travel. And apart from um, his war and Antarctic travels, he also went to Indonesia, to the Torres Strait, to Papua New Guinea, England, United States, and a later private trip to the Middle East. So he was, his photographs um, capture the diversity of these extreme situations he put himself in often. And one of his great passions was flying. In 1919, he joined the last leg of the historic flight from England to Australia made by the brothers Keith and Ross Smith in the Vickers Vimy plane. Hurley was in the plane and he shot um, cinematic footage from, of the flight uh, out the window from Queensland to Sydney and he later flew part of it himself. In the 1930s, he spent eight years working uh, in a film studio making documentary films. And of course, throughout all this, he was exhibiting his work internationally in Australia and often included projection or moving images in his exhibitions. He lived um, till the age of 77. He died in January 1962 and he was still working at that time. That gives you some of the background to Hurley, but now I'll focus a little bit more on these photographs. He, these photographs show both his technical skill and artistic skill. So while he was there, and obviously an official photographer has a documentary role, he, his photographs now sit in art museums around Australia and elsewhere, so they are very highly regarded for their artistic qualities. And it was his daring adventurous streak that enabled him to excel in the hostile conditions of Antarctica. Because at that time, Antarctica was really the last unknown frontier, the, the unknown frozen wilderness. Uh, and Hurley was the official photographer, as I said, but Mawson and some of the other expeditioners took cameras with them as well. 
and we know of some of Mawson's photographs. But essentially, um, once they saw the quality of Hurley's photographs, photographs, most of them put their cameras away and left it to him. These two photographs here represent the two extremes of this region, the Antarctic, the calm and the fury. But for most of the year, it was fury. So I'll firstly talk about the slide called, the work called A Blizzard. Mawson himself referred to Antarctica as the home of the blizzard. And this was the name uh, he gave to his book that he published on his return. And Mawson wrote in this book, the climate proved to be little more than one continuous blizzard the year around. A hurricane of winds roaring for weeks together, pausing for breath only at odd hours. Such pauses, lulls of a singular nature, were a welcome relief. And Hurley too wrote in his 1915 catalogue that his work was hampered by an unprecedented climate. For the average wind velocity for the whole year proved to be 50 miles per hour, which is 80 kilometres an hour. The year passed in a series of blizzards with only a few calm days to break the monotony. And his image, the blizz a blizzard, has become the iconic photograph from this expedition because it sums up these conditions so aptly. It was taken, obviously, in difficult and risky circumstances because it shows two men battling to move against the force of the wind. Uh, this movement was known as hurricane walking or wind walking, where in order to move forward, they would lean forward and practically lie on the wind to, to move forward. The men are the surgeon, Leslie Wetter, and the assistant collector, John Close. And they were actually going out to get ice from the glacier for drinking water. And yet Hurley's photograph has transformed this humble daily task into an epic, heroic image. It looks like they're on the edge of oblivion, really, and they're really struggling for survival. You can just make out, perhaps in this image, in the background is the winter hut. This print, as I said, was a carbon print. It has been toned blue in the process, so it's a beautiful blue colour. And each impression that Hurley printed was unique, with subtle um, variations in the swirling blizzard. And Hurley was known for manipulating his negatives and printing for artistic and atmospheric effect. While it is now known by the title A Blizzard, when it was first exhibited in 1915, it had a, a poetic title. It was Torrent Spume Down the Glacier Hist. And this was a line from a poem by one of the other uh, expeditioners, Archibald MacLean, who was the chief medical officer. And th when you look at the 1915 catalogue of Hurley's works, every now and then there's a beautiful poetic title associated with the work. When we look at these men battling the conditions, it's, it's truly remarkable to think about how Hurley could photograph in these conditions and achieve the results that he did. We have to remember photography was so different to now. It's not just a, a matter of your mobile phone or a handheld camera. 
He was lugging big cameras, he had tripods, and he had glass plate negatives. And he took many risks to get the best angle and the most dramatic picture. Occasionally, he was known to build temporary shelters from blocks of ice to photograph from. And I'll again quote from Hurley. He says, no conditions could have been more unsuited for photography. I was determined, however, to make the blizzard itself a subject for a moving picture. To illustrate the pace and the force of the wind, I built a shelter from blocks of ice and under its lee photographed the meteorologist as they fought their way to and from the recording instruments. So a similar sort of composition to this. Frequently my fingers, which I had to withdraw from the mitt to turn the handle on the cinema camera, were frostbitten. And often in moving from point to point, I was swept away by fierce gusts. So as he moved around to, to film this. On one occasion, I was lifted bodily, carried some 15 yards with my camera and tripod, which together weighed 80 pound and dumped on the rocks. But he was undeterred and he continued on and he risked his life many a time in the service of photography. I, th I haven't checked the South Australian Museum recently, but last year um, they, there was some of this blizzard footage on display where you see uh, what he was capturing as he describes it there. So the other image, um, by contrast, records this moment of rare calm, and I love this um, pairing of these two images. It's the pallid glow of a midwinter noon at Cape Denison, 1912. So midwinter, being the 21st of June, is the shortest day of the year. And it was the day that the expeditioners looked forward to because it really marked the turning point of winter darkness and thereafter the days would get longer. And midwinter was often accompanied by celebrations. You know, they had a special dinner and they perhaps did a bit of performance to lift their spirits and mark this turning point. But being the shortest day of the year, there was only a couple of hours of daylight and the sun appeared as a glow just above the northern horizon for only about 30 minutes around noon. Now, by chance, on that day, there was a temporary lull in the wind, a rare moment of calm, and the men were able to go outside for a walk. And Hurley has photographed one of them contemplating the sea ice, which is thinly frozen over. The image reveals the beauty of the landscape, blanketed in white, but with wonderful formations of ice. And the solitary figure gives a sense of scale to the composition as well as a certain romanticism to the image. And many of Hurley's photographs can be regarded as part of the lineage of sublime landscapes in the European tradition, because essentially he's representing a frozen wilderness that is simultaneously beautiful and hostile and following on from this 18th century notion of the sublime landscape where man is pitted against nature or man is dwarfed by the majesty of nature. And one writer noted that many of Hurley's photographs were not generally close-up portraits of the expeditioners but more idealised views of anonymous individuals proving themselves against nature's worst conditions. And when I look at this image, I'm reminded of Hurley's words um, 
that he, mentioned, that he wrote in 1915. He says, Alone in the intense silence and vastness, I realised our utter insignificance. That will that gives man might to rule and dominate avails nothing here. The breeze which wafts the snowflake, the ripple which stirs the lead, the tiny crystals which are in countless millions build this gleaming ice world are all indifferent to man's word or will. And I feel like that quote also reinforces this notion of the sublime, of man's insignificance in this, um, this amazing environment. I would now just like to finish by briefly mentioning two other photographs by Hurley that are in the exhibition. The first is A Glacial Fairyland of 1912, and this also was exhibited in London in 1915. You can't see the frame here, but when you look at it in the exhibition, you'll see that it's in the original frame that Hurley uh, had on it in 1915. And this photograph was a gift to the gallery by Richard Phillips in 1994. And it shows a view from Cape Denison looking at the ship, the Aurora, anchored in Commonwealth Bay. And that was the ship, of course, that they travelled down to Antarctica in. Hurley talks about it. He says, in the foreground is a quaint ice growth originating from spray dashed up by the hurricane winds. So here, although we're not looking at a hurricane or a blizzard, you see the evidence of it and this amazing ice formation. And this image is the other image that's in the exhibition of the royal penguins sunning themselves on Nuggets Beach at Macquarie Island. This, this work, which we acquired a couple of years ago, also came from Sir Douglas Mawson's collection. And it, it shows um, photographs that Macquarie Island was on their way down to Antarctica. It was their first stop. And it was um, Hurley's first experience of what the expedition was going to be. And there's a lovely quote by uh, Archie McLean, the chief medical officer again, talking about Hurley's um, uh, experience, this experience of arriving on this beach at Macquarie Island. He said... Down on the beach, Hurley, in a kind of photographic ecstasy, was striving to do justice to the phenomenal surroundings. Torn between the claims of cinematography and camera, he, he rushed about using each one turn by turns. The penguins clustered in force around the legs of the tripod, pecking away busily at the bright brass points and coming continually into fighting collision with Hurley's feet as he traversed about the instrument. So he's captured these penguins which were surrounding him and intrigued by him as the photographer. 